Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nicole. Hey there, Shal. How are you this week? Good. How are you? (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Anything exciting going on with you this week? Oh, a lot of work. I've got a lot of real estate happening. I've got my granddaughter a couple days this week. I'm doing physical therapy a couple days a week for my shoulder, which has been really nice, actually. Mm. So busy. How about you? Where do you go for physical therapy? I've been going to, it's physical therapy plus. It's in Lemonster next to the Orchard Hills gym. Mm. So I'm happy with them there. They're working it. They're working my shoulder. I need shoulder surgery, but until then I'm going to have some physical therapy to help. And Mm. I like it. Perfect. Yeah. How about you? What you got going on? Same old, just working on an upcoming project that I'm hoping to get launched at this point by the end of the year. Great. Because it was supposed to be launched in July. Okay. Tell me what it is. (laughs) It is a membership site. Ah! So I will definitely be coming out with more information there, but I'm really excited. And then we also went pumpkin picking. Oh, fun. Where'd you guys go? I actually asked you. Right. You gave me a couple. Did you go to that? I said, honey, George Hill. And George Hill Orchard. George Hill. In Lancaster. Yeah. Was it nice? It was. It Good. was. And it was pretty picked over. Okay. But we still bought, because, you know, we had seven kids. So right. we must have bought like 10 pumpkins because right. Sasha wanted some to make uh, some sugar pumpkins. So much fun though. It was. And it was, yeah. it was, you had to drive down to the pumpkin patch and you had to get a saw because mm-hmm. you cut the pumpkin yourself which the kids loved and we got a a lot of pumpkins drove them back up locked them (laughs) on the side had them weed we ate they had um apple cider donuts fun and they had like burgers and stuff and it was fun it was like a nice outdoor yeah last like i was saying to the kids this is probably the last day that will be this nice and warm out so we might as well just spend the day outside did all the kids go Four of them did. Great. Yeah. So and much fun. It was nice to get them off because the, they're on the screen so much because of school I know, now. I know. So, you know, you guys are not going to sit on your video games all day today. Right. We're going to get outside and rest yeah. your eyes and whatnot. So good. So that was a good time. And move your body and get fresh air. It's always mm-hmm. good. Oh, yeah. I love all outdoor activities as much as possible. I like the smell. I do too. Fall. I, I like know. the smell. Isn't mm-hmm. that weird? No. Fall has a smell. It does. And I also like the smell of mm-hmm. spring rain. Ah, I'm more into fall than I am the spring rain. The spring rain, because I always went to horse camp. I rode mm-hmm. horses growing up, and I always went to horse camp in the spring and mm-hmm. the summer. And when it would rain, and because we would get up super early to feed all the horses, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., and we'd step outside, and I would smell the rain, and mm-hmm. it would just wake you up. And then we'd go into yeah. the barn, and I'd smell all the leather. Oh, and I'm just like, yeah. I like smelling things, it's and it nice just takes you memory. back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the smell of fall. I do not like the smell of snow. I, I do. Snow. Me too. Me too. I have exactly the same response to it. I smell mm-hmm. it. I hear the crunch under my boots. I'm like, ah, yeah, get me out. If it weren't for fall and spring, I would want to live somewhere where it's like summer all yeah. the time to me avoid too. snow. Cause I hate me too. Snow. That's how I feel too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. deal with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this week we're going to be interviewing Amanda Hem and she Great. And her business partner, Sarah Douglas, they run a business called Soutiens where they help parents go back to work. So we're going to be talking to her about that, which is great. Great. But first, let's do our favorites of the week. Great. You go first. All right. So my favorite of the week are jeans. They are a legging jean and they're expensive. They're Freddy jeans. You can get them online. I think you can even get them on Amazon. I don't remember, but they're pricey. You got to look for sales, but they are the most comfortable thing you'll put on your body. Like there is no pull down when you bend over and mm. your butt. They're super comfortable all over, all around. They shape your butt and kind of give it a lift if you need that, which I do because I have a, like a meatier butt and they're like wearing pajamas. Like you'll forget you have them on. You lay on the couch at night and you're like, I could just sleep in these suckers if I got oh too gosh. sleepy. They're super comfortable. 
Are they like stretchy? They're super stretchy. That's the whole thing. They're not even remotely like a regular jean. I just think like everybody would be comfortable in them. But, you know, we were talking about moms and pregnancy and babies. I think a postpartum mom would love them. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're postpartum and you feel like after a couple months, I mean, the first couple months you spend most of the time just resting with the baby Mm. and you're kind of in your yoga pants and you're totally okay with that. Or a lot of moms stay in their maternity clothes, you know, for length of time and that's fine. But you know, when you get to a point where like, okay, I don't want to live in maternity jeans anymore, but I need something else comfortable still. I'm still dealing with my recovering postpartum body they're worth it. They're expensive. Again, like I said, look for sales, but I think for postpartum moms, they would feel really nice. Right. I did the whole live in my maternity clothes. Yeah. With my first two and my third, I just lived in black yoga pants. But sometimes it's like you're going out with a friend. Right. You don't want to look like right. you just rolled out of bed, although it's perfectly acceptable to go out with a friend. It is. <laughs> like right. you just rolled out of bed. Right. But if you wanted to, right. like, oh, I kind of want to dress up a little bit, put on some nice jeans and a yep. nice shirt, but you don't actually want to put on the jeans. Right. Sounds like a nice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like a legging, you mm-hmm. know, way more stretched than anything. I don't put them through the dryer because there's a lot of spandex in them and I'm afraid it's going to wear them down. So I wash Mm -hmm. them in cold water and I air dry them, Mm -hmm. but I love them. And where can you get them? I think you can get them on Amazon. If not the website, it's freddyjeans.com. I think we're freddy.com if you looked it up, but they are, they're dynamite. Mm -hmm. They're so ridiculously comfortable. Mm -hmm. It truly is like putting on a yoga pant. Awesome. But they look good. You can wear them with boots and, mm-hmm. you know, they look good. But again, you know, you can wear whatever the heck you want and be as comfortable as you want to be. But sometimes, like you said, you want something that's not a yoga pant. Mm-hmm. But it feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And Nicole and I have been talking a lot about our favorites of the week and we're having a lot of fun sharing them. Mm-hmm. But if any listeners out there have something that you've discovered that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with this. Doesn't yeah. matter what it is. It doesn't even have to involve parenting and you want to share it, then let us know because we are totally willing to try Absolutely. it Absolutely. Please <laughs> share with us. Give us some ideas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what's your favorite of the week? So my favorite of the week is a book. It's called Dry... Yeah. Non-alcoholic cocktails, cordials, and clever concoctions. Love and that. I got at the advice of a friend because we decided because of COVID that we wanted to cut back on our drink. Not that we were drinking a lot, but we just mm-hmm. for health reasons too, because we do CrossFit and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like alcohol is probably the worst thing that you could do if you're trying to lift weights and stuff. Right. So I bought this at the recommendation of a friend and it is so Really? Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. And it's not your typical, like, here's a mocktail. You put soda or water in, you know, whatever. Right. It's like how to make your own syrups. Nice. Yeah. And like some of the recipes are a little bit complicated, but they're so good. Oh, nice. They're so good. I've been going through the book page by page in order and just picking like one recipe a week and buying the ingredients and sometimes for some of them you need a blender or a food processor like it gets like really in depth and John actually makes them for me um, which is good because I can't cook or anything (laughs) (laughs) so I buy the ingredients and he makes it for me and my favorite so far they have a clean cucumber collins Ooh, it's like so good it's my favorite recipe yeah yeah Mm. yummy they have like a clean Bloody Mary that tastes Ooh. way better than other Virgin Bloody Marys that I've ordered at bars. Yeah. Like the the detail and the thought behind the recipes is so intentional and nice. there that nice. it's like you put a lot of effort into making the drink, but mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. And I feel like I'm treating myself to yeah. this like really yeah. good treat. So nice. Ooh, you have to share some of those recipes with me. I'd love to try them. Oh yeah. That's the thing. Like I like having a drink and whatever, but I notice like it makes my face puffy. Mm. It's dehydrating. Yeah. It's not the best thing if you're wanting to be conscious about your body and it's good to have those options. Right. And there's nothing wrong with drinking, like having a drink every night to relax or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for those of us who want to want to stop doing that or cut back or whatever just never did it in the first place this can, book can present some fun options nice. and, like a lot. and it wasn't it was like honestly on amazon right now it's for 25 dollars. nice yeah so it's not that expensive but it's good good 
All right, let's go into our question of the week. Yes. Okay. So this question we got from a listener and she is asking when to move the baby out of her room and into the baby, the nursery mm. for a night That's for sleep. Well, we know that the American Academy of Pediatrics suggests the baby sleep in your room for one full year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To reduce, you know why? to reduce the risk of SIDS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Babies are codependent, so they rely on you to help them sleep, to help them calm down, and to help them organize their basic body functions, which is one of the reasons why skin to skin is so vital. Yeah. So if a baby is sleeping near you, like in your room, then your breathing helps them regulate their breathing. Your heartbeat regulates their heartbeat. Yeah. And it does reduce the risk of SIDS. Yep. Isn't it brilliant? I know. I love it. And it's even not even the closer to you, the better. So not necessarily in the bed with you, but mm-hmm. if the if your bassinet's across the room, that's going to be harder for nighttime sleep than if the bassinet's up against your bed. Right. Exactly. And it makes your life easier. Right. When you just have to, the baby's right there, so you easily accessible. Scoop the baby up. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. if you're getting up and you're turning on lights and you're, yeah. you know, that just kind of messes yeah, with fumbling. your Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And I was totally a lazy parent at some point. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, but at some point you just stop changing the baby's diaper overnight. Oh, totally. <laughs> I think we all do that. Yeah. It's like for the first baby you do for like months and months and months. The yeah. second baby you're like, we'll do it for a couple months. And the mm. third baby you're like, eh, you're fine. Yeah. Oh, did the diaper leak? Let's throw a towel on the sheet exactly. and roll over and go back to bed. Exactly. <laughs> it's like exactly. By the time you're having like your second or third, right. you're like, as We're long fine. as the baby is not uncomfortable right. and not getting a diaper rash. Right. Because every time you change the baby's diaper, that really wakes them up That's and it wakes right. you up and it just That's makes right. it harder to go back to sleep. Yeah. So as soon as you can get away with not changing the baby's diaper, yeah. the better. Yeah. And what I would do for that very reason is at night, I would just coat their butt with some sort of protectant, whether it's coconut oil or something so that you know that even if they're fairly wet when they get up in the morning, that their skin has been protected. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Sleep, sleep, glorious sleep. Yes. Because and a priority. Some babies are pickier and will right. tolerate that, and that's fine, too. Yeah. So you just follow your baby's needs, but if your baby seems okay. Right. And their skin's okay, <laughs> sleep, mama. Yes. And I used to tell cares. myself, if my feet did not touch the ground, right. that was me sleeping through the night. Yeah. So I had the bassinet next to the bed. Yeah. I would, and in the beginning, when they didn't need the diaper changes, my partner would get up and change the diaper and bring the baby back. I'd nurse in the bed and then put the baby back. Yeah. And I, my feet did not touch the ground. Right. And I felt so much better rested yeah. because with Brooke, we had originally moved her out of the room early yeah. under the advice, the well-intentioned, but incorrect advice from family where she was in a bassinet in her room. We moved her into a crib and we lived in a very tiny apartment. Right. Um, and that lasted maybe like two weeks. Right. And I was so over getting up, turning yes. on all the lights to find my way into yeah. the other room. You That's know, right. I was so over it. And then yes. we just moved her back in the bed. And this yep. was before she's 15, 16. So this is right. before the AAP recommended right. change. Yep. But yes. So to answer your question, you should keep the baby in your room for a full year. Yep. Exactly. That's a great question. It is a good question. Very good. All right. And next up, we're going to be talking to Amanda. Great. Hey everyone, I know that having a baby can be a little overwhelming and confusing. If you're looking for a place where you can get all your childbirth prenatal education needs, visit ShellyTaftIBCLC.com. Nicole and I are offering right now an online virtual childbirth educating education class, a prenatal breastfeeding class, and we're soon launching a prenatal newborn care class and a prenatal sleep education course. So you can learn all about infant sleep, even before the baby comes. So I'm going to drop that link in the notes and you can check it out and we hope to see you there. I'm so excited to introduce to you all Amanda Hem. She's a postpartum doula and co-founder of Sutiens and she's a new parent coach. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thanks for having me, Shelly. I'm so excited for your podcast and all that you're bringing to new parents. Thanks. Can you give us a little background about yourself and your business and what you do for parents? Sure, no problem. So a little bit of a background. I am a mom of two. They are now well past the breastfeeding stages as they are seventh grade and fifth grade, and we are in the throes of remote schooling at the moment. 
I was formerly a product and project manager at a corporation and really kind of had a hard time as my kids got a little bit older and trying to figure out how to balance everything that was going on and decided I wanted to think about what could I do that was going to be more impactful, what was going to make a difference in people's lives because somehow doing budgets and timelines was not feeling super impactful. Sure. And I decided that there needed to be more people in the world who could help new parents. This will give a little insight into how much support I got as a new parent. But I was feeling like there was nobody around. There was nobody to ask questions to. There was nobody who could give you a hand physically in your home as you needed it. And so I had dreamed up this entire role for myself. And then as I started Googling and just learning a little bit more, I said, oh, there is something that does this. It's called a postpartum doula. And I had just never heard of it before. I love that. They stumbles on it. It's like, oh, I wonder if this is a thing. Right? I totally thought I had invented something new. This is going to make me a million dollars. And then realized that it's there. But it's one of the best kept secrets, unfortunately, of new parenthood is that there are people who are out there to help support you and to help you every step of the way. So once I discovered that it was a thing, I went through the trainings and the certifications and I jumped in with both feet and haven't looked back, right? I've loved being similar to you, hands-on with families at this really critical point of life and helping them kind of navigate and learn what it means to be a new parent. But things evolve. As I did that more and more, I was realizing that Once people started looking for help, especially in our area, there's actually a lot of people who can support new parents, whether it's lactation or acupuncturists or mental health clinicians or postpartum doulas. But when people went back to work, it was like ripping off a Band-Aid. So all of those supports that you built up, the new parent groups that you joined, they all just vanish as soon as you go back into the workplace and you're putting 40-hour work week on top of what you were just figuring out as your new life. Mm -hmm. So as I was thinking about that challenge that parents were facing, I teamed up with Sarah Douglas, who also has a background as a postpartum doula and has been a longtime friend of mine. She was one of my support networks when I had my babies. And we worked together and we built SUTNs. And the mission of SUTNs is really to empower companies to better support their working parents. So to provide education and resources and tools that are going to be meaningful. So companies are starting, not greatly, but starting to provide more and more parental leave and bonding leave and starting to be a little bit more even between all of the parents. But that's not enough. That's not enough for parents. And whether you get two weeks of leave or two months of leave or six months leave, you still have to go back at some point. Mm-hmm. So Sutians comes in and we help the parents at companies and we help the companies themselves figure out ways to create structures that are going to support those parents as they're getting ready to leave, giving them tools to build a strong foundation while they're on leave and then returning more successfully so that they're feeling confident and ready to go. Yep. That's so amazing. I love that because you're right. There's not enough support. Like I remember as a Leche League leader, we had a working moms meeting every month and it didn't last long. Like the group decided to get rid of it fairly quickly, which as a working mom, I didn't really understand, but that was the decision was made. So even in, I would say in Massachusetts where we're both located, we have more resources and families than other places. Like we're very lucky to live in Massachusetts where we have a lot of postpartum doulas and birth doulas and lactation consultants where if you go to other parts of the country, it can be like a desert in terms of postpartum support. But even with all the resources that we are lucky enough to have in Massachusetts, moms and parents still struggle when they go back. And that is totally true. And one of the things that I do when I'm doing a back to work pumping consult with the family is asking them like, do you already have a place? Is there already a place for you to pump? And if they're lucky, they might be, you know, the fourth or fifth parent that is pumped at work. And so that road has been paved. But if they're the first ones going back, they're often very stressed. Like, I don't know where I'm going to pump. I don't know how I'm going to find the time to pump. 
I haven't talked to my boss about it, things like that. And you can see the anxiety on their face when they're talking about it. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you have heard as many crazy stories as I have about places that mothers are being asked to pump, the situations that they are in. You know, they're given a room and it's been cleared out and it's no longer considered a closet, but there's no light and there's no outlet. So (laughs) trying to figure that out. I was really lucky that when I had my first daughter, I had a boss who was, oddly enough, an older, childless gay man. Mm -hmm. And he totally got it. And he actually, before I came back, put into my calendar three times a day an appointment that said meal preparation. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Great. And so just by doing that, Pete allowed me to feel like it was something that I could do at work and that it was accepted and it was just fine. It wasn't something that I had to sneak off to do. Not everybody knew what meal preparation meant, but those that needed to did. Yeah. And it just gave me that permission. So it's those little tricks that we talk with companies about of how can you make this okay? How can you make it normal? How can you make it feel secure to new moms who are just nervous and anxious about coming back in general? So true. So true. And I know when I was in, I had my first when I was in college. And when I went back to class to finish, I was pumping in the bathroom. There was no room specific. And I would pump the bathrooms where usually like there was like an inner room with a sofa. And then you kept walking to get to the stalls and I would sit on the sofa and pump. And it was just awkward. You know, there were all women walking in now, but they were, you know, this was college. So it was all very young girls that were like, oh my God, what are you doing to your boobs? <laughs> you know, right. so it was very awkward. And then my first job after having my second was I worked at like a pharmacy store as a, like as a shift supervisor. So I was the one in charge and I only had a bathroom to pump in and you know, if I was pumping and something was needed at the cash register that only I could access, they would bang on the door and I'd stop mid-pump and try to put myself away as much as I could without like disrupting <laughs> the flow and try to get up, figure out what the problem was and get back. It, it was not fun. It wasn't fun no. at all. Yeah. No. And you really have to advocate for yourself because even places that have amazing places to pump, you know, you've seen it, I'm sure, um, in hospital, healthcare facilities are really known for having space and availability, but the actual schedule and the ability to walk away from your job for 20 minutes is impossible. Yes. So it's not just the facilities and what it legally, it can't be a bathroom anymore, but you know, what does that room look like? What does that look like? But then also what does your job look like and how can you actually do that? And then what does that do to your supply too? If you are constantly trying to squirrel away and hide and get things Mm -hmm. pumped in between different meetings, or you're trying to participate on a conference call muted while you're pumping so that people aren't hearing that swish swish. Right. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's so true. Like, and sometimes they have a pumping room, but it's one pumping room on a very large campus. And for some parents, it takes 10 minutes just to walk there And then they have to book the room in advance. And if there's only one room for a lot of employees, like often there just isn't a slot available. And so you have to try to figure out something else. I see a lot of that too. And I do feel like the people I see struggle the most with pumping often are nurses and waitresses or chefs Mm -hmm. and teachers, depending. Mm -hmm. Some teachers, the school is more, more accommodating than others, but some schools are not so accommodating And so they can struggle a little bit too. Yeah, I was talking to a teacher who's in, I think she was teaching sixth grade or middle school. So they were moving from block to block Mm -hmm. and she had 45 minute blocks. So if she was pumping for 20 minutes and it was at 10 o'clock in the morning, that's half of a block for an entire period. Mm So even if everyone around her was trying to be accommodating, she felt like it wasn't fair to those students that every single day she was missing part of their class. Yeah. That's challenging. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely our society and our culture is not built to accommodate parents returning from the work. And pumping is not the only thing that you struggle with when you return to work. What other things do you find parents are struggling with? 
At the moment, throughout all of COVID, childcare is definitely the number one. And just being at home and trying to balance everything. So whether you have childcare or not, just having your kids in your house while you are working (laughs) is a challenge for many people. But as far as new parents and going back to work, it totally changes your routine to have a new baby, right? Or to be stuck on a childcare schedule. You might have been a parent that went to work, loved your job, stayed a little bit late just to make sure that things, you know, you were working long hours, you're staying late, you caught a drink with a coworker, you went out to dinner with somebody, and then you'd come home. You can't do that when daycare closes at five. And you're paying by the minute for extension. So rearranging what your whole day looks like, figuring out the mornings. Now you have a whole new person that you're trying to get out the door as well. And they're way more complicated than you are trying to get out the door. So we advise a lot of parents to do these dry run throughs before they go back. And, you know, a week before, try out a half a day at daycare learn what that routine looks like, get comfortable with the provider so that day one of dropping off your child is not your first day back at work. Try to do that at a time that you're commuting. So leaving the house at seven to get to work at eight, is that possible or is that not possible with this new arrangement? And just having that practice and that routine can really lower the anxiety. The Mm -hmm. first day, the first week back is so challenging. Just emotionally being apart from your baby for the first time physically if you are pumping of trying to get used to that new routine and then with all of the work stresses you you remember you get back to work and there's like 10,000 emails in your inbox Mm -hmm. and maybe five of them are relevant but you're trying to get back and check them all and figure out the projects and where you are and Mm -hmm. I feel like parents need to and their managers need to kind of lower expectations for that first week and use it as a transition week and realize that just learning how to get out the door and to get the baby dropped off at childcare and figure out where the pumping stations are and what that rhythm looks like and then reverse to get home at the end of the day is enough. That's enough for one week. Yeah, that's such great advice. I never even thought of that, like doing the dry runs. I've heard it suggested that parents, if possible, should have their first day back at work on a Friday. And then that way, if something comes up, they weren't expecting, they have the whole weekend to sort of figure out a solution instead of like, oh crap, how am I going to deal with this? Yeah, absolutely. So So, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, just not Monday, like five days is a long time (laughs) to be looking forward to the weekend. I never even thought of that. Mm -hmm. Sorry, just came in. She's not going to sleep. So we're going (laughs) to... We'll see what we're going to do. Say hi. (laughs) Oh, she's saying hello. (laughs) Hello. I've also heard it be suggested if it's possible to go back part-time at first and work your way up to full-time. Yeah, I think that that depends on the job and your personality, but definitely a ramp-up schedule has been really beneficial for some people. So do, you know, half days or three days a week. And you could do three days, four days, five days, or come in four hours a day, five hours a day, six hours a day, right? And kind of ramp it back up just to get that endurance back. Mm -hmm. Okay. that's And that's the kind of conversations that you want to have with your managers, even before you go out on leave. If you think that this is something that is of interest, before you go on leave, say, hey, what kind of flexibility do I have? What is some of the precedents that have been set at my company? Who do I need to talk to to get the permissions for this? How does this impact my, you know, my PTO, my FMLA, all of those sorts of questions? You never know, right? You never know when you're pregnant what you're going to want after the baby is born. And then even three months later when you're trying to go back to work or whatever your leave is. But starting to think through all of those scenarios and just collecting the information gives you the knowledge to get the flexibility that you want when you want it. That's perfect. Yeah. Cause you have to think about that, that part of it, the financial part, how it affects your FMLA and all that. And right. I think most parents tend to think about like, when am I going out on leave and how that affects it, but not so much on when am I coming back and how that affects it. So that's right. a good conversation to have. And so would it be like human resources that they would have these conversations with? Definitely. Human resources is definitely a piece of it. And your manager is a piece of it. 
I think that one of the big problems is that people don't over communicate. <laughs> and so they have a conversation with one person, but really it's three other people that need to know. So as you're starting to put together your plans, the more that you can talk with human resources, with your manager, with, you know, with your team, who are the people that you integrate with on a day-to-day -day basis, because they're going to be impacted too, then the smoother it's going to go for everybody. Right. And what advice would you offer a parent who's feeling a little nervous about having that conversation because they can already tell that their manager is not going to be very open or, con or accommodating, I guess. I had one client who worked in a very, she was female, she worked in a very male-dominated um, area mm -hmm. or industry. And so she was the only female in her entire office with a bunch of older men. <laughs> and she already <laughs> knew going in, like... Yeah that they were not going to like the idea of her pumping, of having her, you know, step out. What tips and tricks do you have for having that conversation? I think the first part of that is to really just set your intentions, to know what you want before you go into those conversations. If you go into the conversation saying, what's available to me, then it doesn't put you in a strong position. If you can go in saying, I've talked to other new moms, I've done my research. This is what I think is going to be the most successful for me and therefore for you as a company. Then you come in as a better, from a better point of strength. If you can come up with solutions that are win-wins and present them that way, rather than saying, I need, I need, I need, even if that's what you're feeling, <laughs> that's what you want to share, then it's going to be better received. It's an unfortunate piece, but I think it's just kind of human nature that if we can think of the needs of the other people that we're talking to, so in that case, the older male managers and coworkers, and say, this is going to be better for us in the long run because the more I can breastfeed my baby, the less sick she's going to be, the less sick days I'm going to have to take going forward. And just getting all of those like ducks in a row before you go into it is really helpful. Also, it sounds like in that situation, she might have been the first and the only, but if you can look around your office and find other parents and have the conversation with them and just run some ideas of, off of them, of they know the situation, they know the managers, they know what it's like to be a parent and say, this is what I'm thinking about proposing. What do you think of this? Mm -hmm. And just getting that outside perspective, it can help to shed some light on the situation. And also it just kind of helps to get some of those nerves out of, I'm actually going to be talking about my breasts at work <laughs> with right. somebody before you go into the, yeah. the stakes conversations. Right. And even if there isn't anyone who is like pumped at work before, as just an example, there's got to be someone whose spouse has pumped at work. Right. Even if they're not a birthing or a lactating parent, their partner is probably. And mm -hmm. maybe their partner struggled when she went back to her workplace. And and then it would be nice just to have like someone who kind of understands that aspect, even if it's not so direct, but through their partner where they can kind of have your back and support Absolutely. you that way. Yeah. Yeah. I you don't, know, I've never had to do that, but I understand why she does and we should accommodate that kind of thing. And I think that there's a lot more people out there in workplaces who have experienced this either themselves or indirectly than we give credit for. Sarah and I had a conversation with a group of new parents, four or five of them at a very large company in Boston. And somebody said, I don't think there's any other new parents around here. I feel like I'm the only one. I'm trailblazing. I'm fighting for this. Uh, you know, the pumping spaces, the protocols, the flexibility, it feels like it's being reinvented every time. And I talked to their HR and in that company, there was 250 babies born the previous year. Oh my gosh. So there was clearly, <laughs> you know, there was clearly precedent. There's clearly ways of doing things, but it, it wasn't talked about. It wasn't shared manager to manager. There was so many people in HR that it was kind of jumbled around and just bounced from person to person. But once they started having those more open conversations and starting to pull together that community of parents, there's a lot of power in that. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that we definitely advocate is how can you find your circles of people? So your other working parents, other expectant parents, the professionals that are helping you because you know, if somebody needs to pump at work and they talk to you just because you happen to be the lactation consultant that's there, they're going to find that you have wisdom of 
helping other parents go back to work that they might not have ever even thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. And it's so needed. So when your business works with a company, what kind of things do you do with that company? We do a variety of different programs and we have resources for companies, but with the company itself, we come in and we kind of look at what are the things that they're doing already to support working parents. And a lot of companies have pretty robust programs as far as parental leave or their lactation room set up. They might have milk stores so that they can ship things back. So they're feeling like we've got a lot of things here to support parents. But what we're finding is that in this transition point of having a baby and returning to work and all of those pivotal points, they need more than just a benefit that's here. So what we do is we come in and we offer education classes for expectant parents. We do that. We used to do it in person. (laughs) Now we're doing them virtually. We also have an online course that parents can do at their own time called the return plan. We work with companies to help them develop their employee resource groups. So some companies More and more companies actually are starting to put together employee resource groups that are specifically for caregivers. So parents and people caring for elderly parents or disabled adult children or siblings. We help their ERGs think through like what are their goals? Where do they want to go? How are they going to best support the parents? We do community building events. My favorite is called the Parenting Power Hour where we bring working parents from this organization together and we facilitate conversation in small groups where parents are learning from each other, which is super important in general, right? We all learn from each other as other parents, but within the organization, they can then connect to each other and say, oh, I know that manager, I had this experience, or, oh, let me tell you about how the lactation room schedule works so that you can figure out the best way around that. And now we're starting to bring in some individual coaching to organizations where we can work one-on-one with parents and help them navigate, whether it's getting ready for leave or coming back from leave or another tricky transition and help them, as we were talking about earlier, set those intentions to prep for those tricky conversations, to figure out what are some of the strategies that are going to help them going forward. And then to provide them the resources so that, you know, like you, I know a lot of people in this perinatal space. So if I'm talking to them and I say, oh, it sounds like you need a lactation consult. Here's Shelly. Go call Shelly. Or it sounds like maybe your child not sleeping through the night is the biggest issue. Here's a list of some sleep consultants that I know that could help you out. And that way it saves them like the time and effort of trying to find the right solution for them because they have this vetted list already. Mm-hmm. And I think most parents don't even know, like you said before, that those resources are out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So if anything, just to be given a list, like here is where I think you are struggling and here's who I think can help you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's such a new phase of life. These new parents are, you know, they're smart and they're capable and they're resilient and they're creative and they work hard, but they just don't know what they don't know. <laughs> it's such a new world. So they're learning right from the get-go. Great. Tell me about your business name. So Sutien's. Have I told you the story? I might not know. I believe you did, but I vaguely remember it. So Sarah and I were trying to come up with a name for our company, which is Sutien's. And we were not wanting something that was very HR specific or something that was too cutesy and mommy related because we wanted to be able to have a broader appeal. So we decided to look into other languages of what are some of the key values that we have? What are the things that we're doing? How do those sound in other languages? So we came up with Soutenir or Soutiens, which is to support in French. And we loved the idea of that because that's what we really want to do. We want to support the companies. We want to support the parents. It just rolls off the tongue. We, we like the sound of it. So we nailed it down and we said, this is what we're doing. We even talked to a couple of people that were 
francophones and could say, this is what we're thinking. Is there anything insulting that we don't know <laughs> about? And nothing came up. So we moved forward with Soutiens as our name. And then as we started to Google it more, we realized that in France, it actually means bra because it's to support. <laughs> and we're like, you know what? That's just as fitting too. We work with new moms. <laughs> we do a lot with boobs and bras. <laughs> I love that it's like a double meeting. Yeah, that's fun. That's like a fun. Fun. <laughs> there's a lot that we can do to play off of that. Exactly. <laughs> and I love that your business model is that you're not just going in and like you're not just the champion for the parents to like you go in like how can we help the companies too? Right. And it's not like you're going to go into an HR and be like you're doing this all wrong and my client doesn't feel supported and it's. It's like educating them as well as the parents on how they can work together to make the transition easier. Yeah, we really feel like companies have an obligation to help people, to help their employees, Mm -hmm. and they don't always know how to do it, Right, especially for such a a distinct time period of life. Mm -hmm. So if we can come in and help them out. I'm sorry? You're giving them the tools. Exactly. Okay. When you're talking to a company, how do you kind of talk to them about why it serves their best interests to support these families who are returning to work? So companies tend to, their big motivators tend to be attracting new employees, mm-hmm. um, retaining the employees that they have and maximizing productivity. You know, a business is there to make money and to be in business and not as a social organization. So we really have to talk to those factors that apply to those organizations. But what we're finding is that research shows one in three new moms ends up leaving the workforce. You know, if you have 10 moms that are pregnant that year and you end up losing three to four of those mothers to parenthood, that's a real toll on your whole workforce. And the time Mm -hmm. and the talent drain that that causes is pretty astronomical for businesses. Mm -hmm. We're also finding, especially in Massachusetts, but I see the trend across the country too, that women are having their babies at older ages. So they're pretty well established in their careers, they're established in the company. And so if you have a woman who is 42 and leaves the workforce and she's high level executive, that is a really big impact on the organization. So we do talk about those points with the companies. We also talk about the fact that one in five women and one in 10 men have postpartum complications, emotional complications. So depression, anxiety, OCD, and those don't go away just because you return to work. Mm -hmm. Those are still there. So more that we can help support people understand where they're coming from, then the the faster and the sooner they're going to be able to heal and to be able to bring their whole selves to work, which helps with the presenteeism, the absenteeism, productivity, and those are all factors that are really important to HR people. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. So you basically speak their language. We try. We yeah. try. Some days we still scratch our head and go, wait a minute. Yeah. You just need to do this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to take care of the moms and dads. We just want you to do the right thing. <laughs> right. Right. When a parent is returning to work, do you notice a trend where there's one issue that they're struggling with the most? I would say that there's a couple, you know, lactation is definitely and pumping um, at work is definitely a big trend. But I think even more than that, that they may not be recognizing right off the bat is figuring out the rhythm of their day, especially with their partners or spouses and trying to figure out how do you divide up duties, who has which responsibilities on which days. We spoke a little bit about having those tough conversations with your boss, right? Of how do you go back and have those conversations about flexibility, about need to pump, about things that may not feel comfortable. But at the same time, you need to have those conversations with your partner. And those can be equally tricky. Everybody is tired and stressed and overworked. But I really feel like using this time frame to have those conversations to reset and say, this is my responsibility. This is your responsibility. And together as a team and a partnership, we're going to make this work is really important. And there's a lot of strife over that. 
especially when one partner goes back to work so much earlier than another partner. Mm. Right. And the studies do show that the labor is not equally distributed in terms of housework and childcare. Although I think that's slowly changing, but I don't think it's changing enough. (laughs) You know, I do believe the studies show that at least in heterosexual couples that the woman, despite both parents working, the woman still takes over most of the burden of the housework and the dishes and laundry. And I think that this is my own theory. I've got no research to back this up, but I'll throw it out there anyways. I feel like if you look at traditional maternity and paternity leave, the in like you said, in heterosexual couples, even in same sex, when you have a birthing and non-birthing difference of the amount of leave, if you have somebody who's home for two weeks, maybe three weeks, and is getting through those first hurdles at home with the baby and everybody is alive and being fed and things are looking up. And then I'm going to say he, for the sake of ease of language, he goes to work and then the mom is at home for another nine weeks on her own. She's learning how to manage the house, how to manage the baby, how to get all those routines set in place. Well, he's off at work and it never rebalances after that. She goes back to work and she's already now in the habit of doing all that stuff at home. And so it's easier, easier in the short term, at least to just do that than to explain, to have those conversations, to do that rebalancing. That's so important. And I'm hoping that as we see more and more parental leave happening, so it's more even between the parents that we're not going to see as much of that disparity right from the get go. Mm. I think you're right. I'm pretty optimistic about that too. Because in Massachusetts, we are having partners stay home longer because we have a, a state. Do we, do we not have a state paternity leave now? We do. We do. It kicks in on January 1st. Oh, January so, 1st. Okay. Yeah. I know that there are companies that are giving paternity leaves more. Absolutely. Like Google gives a paternity leave now. And so I am seeing a lot more dads for non-birthing parents who are like, oh, I get a month off you know, mm-hmm. work, which I'm always like, that's amazing because that was not happening when I was having my babies. <laughs> you got nope. a week and you knew how to use your vacation time. <laughs> right. So, and I do find that, and when I'm in, cause I'm in families' homes working with them and I am seeing that partners are like, when I'm working with their mom, they're making the mom lunch and doing dishes. And so I'm feeling optimistic that that will start to change too, that it'll be mm-hmm. more balanced. <laughs> When we have events at companies, we're very clear to say it's for parents. We don't say this is a mom's thing, but we do community building activities for working parents, or we'll do education for expectant parents. And the dads are showing up. It's not just the moms that are coming to these events. You know, some of them have been, you know, a 40-60 split. We had one vendor fair where we were tracking who was coming by and there was a couple of companies that were nearby our tables that were specifically for moms, mom boxes or lactation. And they got primarily women coming by. We had 65% dads coming by and talking to us and saying, we want to be good dads and we need support. We need to know what we need to do because they didn't have great role models because their dads lived in a very different world when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And they need support in the companies because the companies are still trying to embrace the idea that the new dads need just as much care and support as the new moms. Right. Exactly. It's so true. Are there any other tips that you want to give parents today? I know we talked about doing dry runs, having conversations, anything else that you feel like you want to share? I think the big thing that we just keep coming back to is that everybody has their own individual needs. What you need as a new parent in your situation at your company is going to be very different than me as a new parent in my company. And so it doesn't help to just go to Google or (laughs) to read a book, right? There's no one size fits all solution. So it's helpful to get this information. It's helpful to connect to other people. We strongly advocate being part of a community, but through it all, just remember that listen to it all and take what works and leave what doesn't. Mm -hmm. There's no one right way to be a parent or to have a family and just rolling with whatever works for you and releasing everything else is going to make you much happier. I love that. 
I'm applauding. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that's so true. So, so true. Yep. And every area where you're learning about, you know, pregnancy and birth and breastfeeding, you're going to have your own journey. And don't compare your journey to other people's journeys because you're having your own journey and just celebrate that. Right. Yep. Comparison doesn't help. No. Over information doesn't help. Google no. doesn't help. <laughs> you just have to be confident and trusting your own instincts and your own intuition. Right. And what works for your family, not your neighbor's family or your cousin's family, but your family. Right. Yeah. True. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're starting to do individual sessions. So tell me, how can parents find you? Where can they go if they want to sign up for those sessions or just learn more about you? Sure. So our website is sutiens.us. It's S-O-U-T-I-E-N-S dot U-S. And we have a lot of information on there on both the Four Companies page and the Four Families page and within our blogs. We are also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So you can come find us in any of those places or email me at amanda at sutians.us. I'd be happy to help you out. Great. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so people can just click and find you easily. And I highly recommend if you are a parent returning to the workplace that you reach out to Amanda and Sarah because they are doing such amazing work. I've known Amanda for a while now. She's so like calm and collected. <laughs> You're the type of person where you walk into the room and the atmosphere just instantly like, ah, come on over. <laughs> you have a very calming <laughs> presence. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I think that that's definitely something that I've worked on through the postpartum doula side, but then also the work side. It doesn't help to get worked up about things. Right. So you can just kind of take a deep breath, recenter, reimagine who, where you want to go. Yeah. That's definitely a way forward. Yeah. I definitely wish I knew about all of this. I mean, you didn't have these services when I had my kids, but I, I wish you were around because <laughs> I would have well, definitely used you. <laughs> same here. And that's why I'm creating those is I wish I had those too. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for joining us so much. Thank you. Sorry that I was gone for all of it. <laughs> to the band she's asleep anyway thanks for having me bye bye thank you for joining us this week on the baby pro podcast make sure to visit our website shellytaffibclc.com where you can check out our online parenting community the baby bistro you can also follow us on social media at shellytaffibclc on instagram if you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.